Okay, as I find, uh, let me look for my. Okay, all right. So, um, how come there's like this empty gap? Okay, um, now it's November. It's November, right? First week of November. Um, most of you are done with school, right? Right. If if you are not, too bad. Um, P six says you are done with primary school. Oh, oh, no, oh no, you're still going to school, just for fun, right? Oh, okay. Okay, so um, today we really want to welcome the P6S and thank you to uh, Hospitality Ministry for organizing the games and all that stuff. Okay, can we welcome our beautiful P6S once more? <laughs> all right. Uh, O-level people, any O-level people here? Yeah. Almost done. Almost done. Two more MCQs. All right. Uh, A level people and uni people. Yeah. Almost done. <laughs> I just started. Just started. Uni people. Almost. No. <laughs> Hang in there. The end. <laughs> the end is near. Okay. So um, today is going to be the last loud gen sermon of the year. Okay. Other than camp, obviously, and and, and Christmas, and um. You know, this year we had, we had two main sermon series, right? We had uh, Encounters with Jesus, remember that? And we had the Relationships series, okay? So I hope you've been learning stuff. I hope you've been encountering God and, and growing in your relationship with Him, okay? Today, I want to talk to you about something that um, has been on my heart for the past few weeks. So if you have your Bibles, take it out. All right, if you don't have your Bible, you can... Lost and found keys, if that is yours, it is on the table. Okay, if you don't have a Bible, it's okay, the, the, the passage is on the screen. Okay, so today I want to talk to you um, about Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38, all right? Okay, if you are there, say there. Very good. All right, Matthew 9, 35 to 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, my sermon today is called Much Harvest, Not Many Workers, which is pretty self-explanatory, right? So yeah, okay, so don't need to preach it there. Harvest is plentiful, workers are few. Um, this guy called Dietrich Bonhoeffer, He's a famous uh, pastor and theologian. He said that the church is only the church when it exists for others, right? And you know, I, I really believe this. And, and I think it's great when we come to church and, and we worship, we study the Bible, I mean, we encounter God and, and we seek to grow in our relationship with Him. We have, you know, memory verse competition in two weeks' time, study hard for it. We have, you know, fellowship with each other and, and, and all that is great, right? But you know, it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. As a church, we exist 
to share the good news, the gospel, and we exist to reach our world for Jesus. And as a church, we're not here to be like a, a holy huddle, like a social club or even a Christian club um, where, where we just see each other every week, we hang out, and we're, oh, we're good friends, and, and, and that's it. It cannot stop there. You know, Lao Jen, we are family, amen? But we also want to grow our family. And you know, I, I think sometimes we come to church and we have this like consumer mentality. Like, oh, what can I get out of this service today? Like, oh, today's just prayer. Hmm, maybe I won't come. Or like, oh, it's just games. Um, or, or like, oh, this speaker, you know, like, I think she's pretty funny, so maybe I'll come. Or, or like, oh, today's worship, not bad. Uh, the songs, I quite like the songs. Okay, not bad. I'm, I'm quite happy. But hello, newsflash. It's not about you. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. You know, when we come to church and, and, and all we do, it's, it's, it's all about Him, right? Everything we do should be for God. And, and we talked about this, right? How about how we were made by Him, we were made like Him, and we are made for Him. And so, Lao Jenna, I believe that it's time we stop just thinking about um, ourselves and our problems and our struggles, our desires, our concerns, our own interests. And, and really, it's time that we start looking up and we start looking out. No, not, not literally. Like we start looking up to God and out to the people outside. And so let's start thinking how we can please Him, how we can glorify Him. And you know, one of the major ways that we bring glory to God is by spreading the gospel, by advancing the kingdom, by reaching out to people so that they too will come to know Him and seek to please Him and glorify, them, uh, glorify Him with their lives. And so... You know, you look at the, the, the title of oh, the title of, of the sermon, you look, you look at the passage, and you know what I'm going to preach about, right? Or some people are like, no, really, what? I mean, you know what I'm going to preach about, right? But, you know, I pray that you don't just know, but you believe and you obey. That we don't just listen to the Word, but we do what it says. That we be not just hearers, but also doers and workers. And so I pray that the Holy Spirit really convicts us and stirs our heart today for the world that we have to, to reach. Amen? All right, let's pray, and then we'll start. Father, we look to you as the God of all creation and, and the God of our lives. And God, we really want to have hearts that seek to please you, to glorify you in, in all that we do. And so God, as we hear your word today, God, would you just stir our hearts and convict us to obey, convict us to glorify you, convict us to really live our lives for you and reach our work for Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's look at Matthew chapter 9. Okay, it's on the screen. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9. Now, um, we read this passage and the first thing that you read is that uh, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, right? He went around and he traveled everywhere. He went. You know when our Lord Jesus was on earth, right? He didn't just sit at like some church or, or, or the temple and he didn't just station himself there and expect everyone to come to him, right? He didn't just sit there waiting for people to approach him. He was active. He was not passive. He was active. He went out to them. You know when Jesus was on earth, he, he hung out with people all the time. Right? He went to parties, he was like eating and, 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 and hanging out with sinners. Um, you know, he, he, if you read the Gospels, he was always moving around, going here, going there, he was going everywhere. 
And if, in the same way, if we want to spread the good news of Jesus and reach the people around us, we need to go. We need to go out there and we need to take the initiative. And we need to work. We need to be active, not passive. And so we can't just be coming and sitting here every week and, and like hoping for the best, hoping that one day you know, our friends will come in and, and, and people might come in and visit the church. Right? We have to do something. We have to go out there, possibly out of our comfort zone, and, and reach people. You know, the Son of Man came to seek. Seek. Seek means to like look out, like find, you know. Find. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to search them out. He didn't come to like sit around and wait and hope that they come. And Jesus looks for people like a shepherd looks for lost sheep. And we must do the same. And so as we look at this passage today, I want to look at three things that Jesus did that we should take note of and, and follow and obey, okay? And the first is this, that Jesus saw people. Okay, most of you are students here, right? So you will understand that there's a difference between listening and hearing, right? Uh, I'm sure you've been in class or school, and, and you know, you, you can hear the teacher or the principal talking, like, like you can hear that the, vo the voice, there's noise, they're saying something, and it's words, but it's not really moving into your brain. Anybody has that experience before? Like you see the lips are moving, the sound is coming out. Um, and, 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 and then the teacher asks you a question like, like oh, so what do you think about that, Daryl? And you're like, what? What? <laughs> you know, when I was teaching, I tell you so many times, okay, I will literally say something so clear and so explicit. Like, for example, um, Okay, the test will be on chapters 1 to 5, right? And then one student will raise her hand and say, uh, So must we study chapter 5? Right? Or, or like, you know, situational writing? You all do situational writing, English class, right? Uh, we see like, okay, girls, so remember when you write the letter, everything must be flushed uh, to the left, right? And then somebody will, So the date, do we write on the left or the right? Like, I'm just, I, I want to throw, okay, you know, <laughs> it's like the Jackie Chan meme, you know, like, right? And so in the same way, there's a difference between listening and hearing, right? In the same way, there's a difference between seeing someone and really seeing someone. Okay, and, and when he looked at all the people, Jesus, he really saw them, right? The, the verse says, when he saw the crowds, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus wasn't just like glancing over the crowd, you know. He was like really looking at the people. And I believe that when he looked at the crowd, that he saw the individuals, that he saw the helplessness and the harassment and the struggles and the problems that each individual was facing. And I wonder if, if maybe Jesus was thinking like, oh, there's, like, there's Tom or whoever, you know. And, oh, I love that boy so much. And and, 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 and I, I, know, I knew him even before he was formed in his mother's womb. And, and, oh man, he struggles so much with his identity and self-esteem. You know, he has no idea of the great plans and destiny. I, I, have, like, I, I wonder if Jesus had all these thoughts when he looked at people. Like when he saw, you know, someone and said like, oh, you know, there's like Jenny or whatever. She's, oh, she's always starving herself and, think, and thinking she's too fat and I wish she would look to me and receive my healing, or there is Bob, or Tom, whatever, and his parents are going through that, that messy divorce, and, and I really wish he would have my, pain, my peace and his pain. 
Jesus saw the helplessness and the struggles and the problems of each people and he had compassion, compassion on them. You know, he felt deeply for them and he wasn't like, oh, look at all these annoying, sinful, weak people, can't do a thing for themselves. He wasn't like that. He had, he had compassion for them and he felt like, oh man, these are all little sheep without a shepherd to guide them and take care of them. You know, people without Christ are like sheep without a shepherd. And do you know sheep? Sheep are really dumb animals. Okay? I mean, these are common sights, right? They're like, oh, what's this over my head, right? Um, look at that sheep on, in the corner. It has fallen over and it can't get back up on its legs. Okay, there, there are actually signs on roads that like, beware of falling sheep. Because they are so dumb, they won't know how to stop running off the cliff, right? Sheep are really dumb creatures. And without a shepherd, they wouldn't know like where to find food. And, and so they will soon like run out of pasture and they'll starve or, or, or they will get lost or caught in some thicket or something and, and they'll just die. You know, those of you who were in church last Sunday, I, I talked about how babies, uh, human babies are really useless and helpless. And, and sheep are the same. If not worse, they are, they are vulnerable, they are timid, you know, they are, they are, they are aimless, they are easy prey for, for predators. I've read that sheep are so dumb that if there is a storm, they will just look up and then they will just drown there because they won't know how to like find shelter or something if a shepherd doesn't come and say, hey guys, move to the shelter, right? They're, they're, they're dumb. <laughs> I mean, have you seen like one sheepdog round up like hundreds of sheep? Right? Like one sheepdog is smarter than hundreds of sheep added together. That's how lousy and lame sheep are. They are totally dependent on the shepherd. And in the same way, without Jesus, people are lost. They are, they are harassed and they are helpless. And maybe you think about your, your friends who are unbelievers and, and you think like, oh, they may not seem to fit that description. Like, they may seem to be doing pretty okay, or in fact, they may seem to be doing very well on their own without Jesus. But you know, if you see them and you really see them with the eyes of Christ and you look beyond the shell of self-assurance, you will see sheep who desperately need a shepherd. Because people need the Lord. People need Jesus. And we, as Christians, we need to see people with the same eyes of compassion as Jesus. Because without Christ, they have no hope of eternal life. And so we must be concerned about their eternal welfare. Souls are at stake here. Salvation matters. You know, Jesus, the Bible says Jesus had compassion on people. And the word here literally means that, um, it literally means to be moved in one's stomach with pity like gripped with compassion and concern to such an extent that, that he suffered pain within. You know, Jesus felt so deeply for them. He was so much a man for others. You know, he was totally a people person. When was the last time we felt such strong concern? When was the last time we felt such care and, and love for people like Jesus did? You know, I can share with you that... Um, such love does not come naturally at all for me. I, I struggle a lot with loving people, TBH. I'm going to tell you a little story. Um, how many of you have watched American Idol? I know it doesn't show anymore, right? 
How many of you used to watch it? Okay, so you know, you know the, the, the show, right? So I used to watch it quite often, and I think this was like um, four or five years ago. There was this girl, she auditioned in a bikini. Does anybody remember that? So she auditioned in a bikini, and, and I would show you a picture or the video, but I decided that it's not very edifying. And so this bikini girl, she does her audition in, in, a, in a bikini that uh, leaves very little to the imagination. And you know, she's, she's an okay singer. She's, she's okay, but she's not great. But somehow, uh, Simon Cowell, you know Simon Cowell, right? He's usually very strict, right? Um, so Simon and Randy somehow love her audition. Hmm, I wonder why. Okay. Um, for some reason. And, but the female judges are like, well, um, you know, you're, you're, you're not that great, right? Um, and, and the bikini girl kind of gets quite rude about it. Has, do none of you remember this? Okay, so she gets kind of rude about it and she insults, she even insults one of the female judges, this Kara something, you know, Kara Ziogardi or something, okay? The, so she kind of like in, insults her singing and, and, and the female judge is kind of rude and she's like rolling her eyes at the female judges and, and, and she's talking back and all. And, and so I'm like watching this scene, right? And I'm thinking like, number one, okay, this girl's not even that pretty, okay? And number two, like, what is wrong with her? Like, I hate people like that, okay? I hate girls like that. Ugh. Like, she's such a bimbo, and yet she thinks she's so great, and she's, like, insulting people, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, oh, this is, oh, this girl. Ugh. And you know, at that moment, at that moment, um, uh, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, which is really strange, because you don't expect the Holy Spirit to speak to you while you're watching American Idol. Um, and this is what the Holy Spirit said. God loves bikini girls. And, and I was like, oh, like what? Gross. Like, Jesus died on the cross for bikini girl. And you know, that, that blew my mind, you know. Like, if you just think about the most annoying or evil or horrible person you, you know, or like the most, like, ugh, you know, the kind of people that you're like, ah. Oh. And, and you think God loves him or her. You know, like Jesus sees that person and has compassion on him or her. He feels for them deeply. He died on a cross for everyone, every one of us. And, and that, that really blew my mind because some people are really hard to love. Right? Like some, pe- some people are really hard to love. And, and I don't know, maybe it's the same for you. Like Maybe it's the same for some of you that, that you struggle to really genuinely care and, and love for people the way Jesus does. You know, I think if we are honest with ourselves, um, it, it's, it's really not easy sometimes. And we have to admit that compassion and, and love often doesn't come naturally to us. And so we have to pray and we have to ask God for it because only the Holy Spirit can move us to see people with that kind of compassion and love. And, and so when you seek to reach out to your friends, you know, don't, don't rule out your friends based, don't rule out your friends based on their face or their bikini or whatever. Like, oh, this one, she will never become a Christian lad. Who auditions in a bikini? Right? Don't rule them out. Don't, 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 don't rule them out. Because don't forget, Paul used to be Saul, ruthless persecutor of the church. Right? And you know that the, the Bible is... Is, is full of examples of God completely turning lives around. And so don't focus on the external. You know, if you make it a point to, 
ask God to help us see, really see people based on the inside instead of the outside, would that change the way we relate to them? Would that change the way we, we, we pray for them? I'm sure it would. You know, I'm sure we all know the song that says, um, open up my eyes to the things unseen. Show me how to love like you have loved me. Break my heart for what breaks yours. And I believe this is what the song is talking about. And so I'm not talking about like praying for your friends or inviting them to church because like, oh, okay, okay, evangelism, better, better try a bit, you know, just pacify the youth pastor or pacify my CGL. I'm talking about asking God for that genuine love and compassion when we relate to people and when we try to reach out to them. And don't expect God to, to, to let you or, or to let us as a ministry have evangelistic success until we are willing to be gripped with compassion and love for the lost. And so we need to really see people the way Jesus did. We need to feel for them in the same way. We need to love them and have that kind of compassion for them. And the second thing we need to do is, you know, Jesus saw potential when he looked at the people and he was willing to pay the price. He said the harvest is plentiful. So we need the eyes of Jesus to see the helplessness of people and we need the compassion of Jesus to feel um, love and concern for people. And then we need also expectancy of Jesus. The anticipation of harvest time. You know, Jesus didn't look at people and go like, oh man, there's such a big crowd, there's so many people to deal with, or like, huh, all these losers around. Right? He, he, didn't, he didn't have that kind of attitude. Jesus' heart was that the harvest is plentiful. There are so many people we can reach out to. And so do we look upon our classmates or, or our friends or our relatives with the excited sense that, here is a potential saint. Here is someone I can reach out to. Do we go into our schools and, and, or our CCA or our army camp or whatever group we're in and think, yes, this is my harvest field and the harvest is plentiful and I need to reach out to all these people and show them God's love? Or do we think like, uh, people are so lame, I hate everybody. How do we look at, at, at people? How do we look at, at the harvest? You know, you know the word potential? Have you ever seen it in your report card? You know, teacher's comments like, Leah has the potential to achieve excellent results if she sets her mind to it, right? No, what? None of you get this kind of comments. I write it all the time. <laughs> uh, what, what does it mean? It means that you can, but you haven't. You can do it, but you haven't. And so, in a veiled way, when the teacher writes that, it means you can so, back up, do your work, study hard, don't waste your potential, and do it. That's what it means, right? When you say, yes, you have the potential. And, you know, that's the situation here. That Jesus looks at the people and he sees, wow, there are so many hearts to be touched and reached and blessed and changed. There are so many lives that can be transformed and, and impacted. The harvest is large and abundant. You know, according to Wikipedia, source of all information, 11.3% um, of our population in Singapore is Protestant Christian. Okay? That means almost 90% of people in Singapore still need to accept the gospel and encounter Jesus. That's a whole lot of people available for us to reach. 
And so it's plain to see, right? The harvest is plentiful. But what's the problem? What is missing and what is lacking is workers. It's not harvest. It's not like, oh, we go out there, not much harvest. It's workers who are missing. You know, if you look at this passage in the NIV, the title of this passage is, The Workers Are Few. What's missing is workers. And you know, workers, they work. Right? Workers, they work. And you know, I, I believe that in our time and age today, what we lack is not evangelistic events or conferences or books or Bible commentaries or even churches. You know, if you drive down Patsapanjang Road, there are tons of churches. I don't even think we lack Christians per se. What is missing is workers. People who are willing to really work and go all out to see the kingdom advance. People who will work hard to see that the gospel is proclaimed and God's love is spread to everyone. People who will work and do whatever it takes to bring their friends and family to Jesus. Workers. I know I'm not talking specifically about like being a pastor or a full-time worker. It's all of us being convicted that the purpose of our existence is to give God glory. And so whether you are a student or you're a, a doctor, or a bank clerk, or whatever, or a pastor, we recognize that our main purpose on earth is to glorify Him. And we will work hard to do that. You know, if you are passionate about seeing people come to know Jesus, if you really want to see the kingdom of God advance, if you really want to experience revival in Laut Gen, it takes work. It takes hard work. Work that will often take you out of your comfort zone. Work that is often inconvenient to you. If you really want to serve God, there's, there's hard work involved. You know, serving God can be fun, it can be, it can be great, it can be fruitful, and, and it's always worth it because we serve the one who gave all for us. But it's often hard work. It's often hard work. Have you ever heard of, of a missionary like going to a country and and, and just, just chilling there, relaxing, taking it easy, you know, just work when you feel like it, or, or when we're not caught up with other things, and then, oh, <laughs> 20 people came to know Christ, oh, yay, that was easy peasy. Like, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen like that. You know, last week we had Halloween outreach, right? Did you like the decor? The, right? It took hard work. It took cutting and, and, and sticking and climbing up ladders, even though people are not very tall, you know, and, and the people who did the decor didn't get like much glory or recognition um, or, or whatever, but they, they worked hard anyway for God. And every time we have an evangelistic event or outreach, it's, it's hard work. And the work that people do may not be immediately obvious to everyone, but, but there is work. You know, Media Min has to go and design something, do some publicity. There's decor to do. You have to order the food. You have to clean up after dinner. And, and preparing a sermon is hard work too. And you know, every week the ushers work. They have to move the chairs, stack it, whatever, you know, arrange before and then after. They have to prepare the hall. The worship team is in church from 11.30 to 6.30. Serving God involves work. It involves work. And if you want to spread the gospel... We want to reach out to people. We want to see revival. It will take work. You know, revival never catches people by surprise. Like, oh, we're just sitting around, just not really doing anything. Oh, revival happened. Holy Spirit. It doesn't happen like that. 
It doesn't happen that way. Revival happens when people are so desperate to see God move in their own lives and in the lives of people around them that they would do anything to facilitate that and bring that about, even if it means like spending lots of time planning um, events or games or, or whatever or, or taking part in organizing like long prayer meetings or, or, or spending lots of time like um, helping people, talking to people, going out of our comfort zone to, to bless people. We need people who are willing to put in hard work for the kingdom of God. Everything I am, everything I am for your kingdom's cause. And Jesus says the workers are few. Not the participants and observers are few. You know, not, not the people who give comments and feedback are few. Not the, the casual uh, spectators are few. We need workers. And so, Lao Jen, are you ready to work? And now let's get, let's get this clear, okay? Obviously, we are not saved by good works, right? This is not a matter of salvation, okay? So it's very clear, right? Ephesians 2, um, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourselves, not by works, right? Not by works so that no one can boast. So it's not a salvation issue. But next verse says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So we are not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. And that's what our lives should be about. And you know, I believe that if we can mobilize a generation that will say, I will be a worker in the harvest field. I will do whatever it takes to see my generation come to Jesus. And I will work at proclaiming the gospel with my life, with my actions, in whatever way. I will be a worker. I will serve in the house of God as well as serve in terms of reaching out to my friends who don't, know, who don't yet know Jesus, if we all have that attitude and be workers, just imagine the harvest that we will reap. But you know, very often we are, we are too distracted or we are too um, busy, or we're too tired, we're too stressed, and we have too many other things to do other than serve God and reach people, spread His word, love, spread His love. You know, we have all these excuses, right? We, we keep thinking, okay, maybe one day when I'm more free uh, or maybe when I'm more prepared or more equipped first, I grow a little bit older. Um, or I think, you know, maybe I need like some fiery sermon to speak to me first or I need some great worship experience. Like, you know, maybe I'll just wait for camp for the Holy Spirit to convict me. And like hopefully there's some high there and, and, and um, you know, we need to have the feel we're not really feeling it right now. Yeah, I know it in my mind, but I'm not really feeling it right now. Well, you know what? Sorry, not sorry. It's not about you. It's not about how we feel. We are made by Him. We are made like Him. And we are made for Him. The entire reason for our existence is to give Him glory and not attain success or pleasures for ourselves. I mean, if that happens on the, along the way, fine, great. But the purpose of our lives is to bring glory to Him. We were created in Christ to do good works and to reach people for His kingdom. It's like we are agents on a mission called by Jesus to impact people. Wherever we go, reach our world for Christ. You know, the Great Commission says, go make disciples of all nations. But you know, for some of us, I think we, we think we are like secret agents like, no one would ever be able to tell that we are Christian based on our lives, our actions, our speech, 
our tweets, our social media. And we can't impact our world because we blend in so well with the world, just like secret agents. And so are we willing to work at being a testimony to our friends? Are we willing to work at being salt and light for Jesus and truly spread His love to people? Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let there be light. Do I sound like Hannah? I'm sorry. <laughs> so, you know, don't, don't miss the point, you know. Every week we come to church, we come to Lao Gen, and we have sermon or worship, we have Bible study, and, and we have camp, and, and all that is great, but it cannot stop there. We are not an exclusive social club. We are meant to be salt and light wherever we are and wherever we go. We are meant to let the light and the love of Jesus shine through our lives and the good work that we do so that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord and He gets all the glory. The church is only the church when we exist for others. And so we have to exist for people outside the church and not just keep thinking about ourselves. And so Jesus, you know, he saw the people, he saw the potential in them, and he was willing to pay the price to bring them into his kingdom. He was willing to pay the price to the extent of suffering, being mocked and humiliated, hanging on a cross, giving up his own life even. And because he rose again, he went back to heaven, and he left us the Holy Spirit. Now we can, we should daily take up our cross, live our lives for him, and work to bring people into his kingdom. And you know, as we do that, we, we don't work from our own strength. You know, we don't look to our own failures like, oh, I can't love people, I'm so horrible, you know. I, I, can't, I can't reach out to people, I'm so terribly awkward. I mean, trust me, those are the things that I struggle with all the time. But, but we don't look to ourselves. We look to the one who has saved us and who has power to work in us. And what is impossible with men, with us, is possible with God. Some of you might remember Elder Edwin's sermon about Jesus feeding the 5,000. God is the manufacturer, and we are just the distributors. We're just the distributors. And God loves to use nobodies like us to tell everybody, anybody, about the somebody, the one who can change their lives. And so we need to see people, love people as Jesus did. We need to see the potential in every person. We need to be willing to pay the price, die to self, take up cross daily in order to spread the love of Christ and glorify God. And finally, we also need to pray. We need to pray like never before. You know, Jesus said to pray. The harvest that we are looking for is impossible with men. You know, every time someone gives his or her life to Jesus, it's a miracle, Right? The harvest is impossible with men. But God can do the impossible even through losers and failures like us. That is the way it has always happened in the Bible. You think about losers like Peter, who used to say and do so many stupid things. Right? I love Peter. Or you think about um, um, timid guys like Moses. Right? I'm too scared to speak. And Moses even screwed up. He killed somebody. Right? He murdered somebody. You think about hardcore persecutors like Saul. He was like persecuting the church and then suddenly, bam, became Paul, the great apostle, great preacher. And the list can go on and on. And God, in his infinite mercy 
and grace has chosen to use weak and fallible people like us throughout history. And He will continue to do so and we thank God for that. And so we work hard and we do all that we can. But at the end of the day, we also recognize it is still the Holy Spirit alone who convicts. Right? Only the Holy Spirit can produce the conviction necessary for conversion. And so our role is just to be the distributor, right? We're just to be the vessel, the tool. And if you know that there's going to be um, harvest at Loud Gen, it is not going to be because we have lots of talented or popular or, or capable people. The miracle of the harvest will be because of the Holy Spirit. It will come from the Holy Spirit. And that is why before Jesus ascended to heaven, he told the disciples, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you will be my witnesses. You will be my harvesters. And so the power to convict hearts and, and move people to accept Christ comes from the Holy Spirit. And if we want the Holy Spirit to work, then we have to ask Him. Right? We have to pray. And that's what Jesus said. Ask the Lord of the harvest, pray earnestly, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers to His harvest field. The NIV says ask, but you know, most other versions says pray. The ESV says pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. Plead with the Lord and, 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 and ask Him to send workers into the harvest field. You know, every period of revival did not start by accident. It has started when people first inwardly groan and they long to see the status quo changed in themselves and in the lives of people around them. And there is a groaning in them that says, God, would you strengthen me and send me out as a worker into the harvest field? And so I'm not talking about like obligatory or, or ritual prayer. Have you ever told people like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, I'll pray for you. And then you kind of forget about it. And then you see the person, you're like, oh, crap. And then you're like, oh, dear God, please help me, please help me, please help me, amen. Yeah, 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 I pray for you. <laughs> you know? Or, or, or like, I'm not talking about like, okay, uh, I just go for a prayer meeting because I have no choice, like, nothing else to do because I'm in a worship team and I have time to kill. I'm not talking about that kind of prayer, you know? I'm, I'm talking about sincere, genuine, heartfelt crying out to God. Because if we just pray out of duty or obligation, we will soon lose motivation and we'll just quit. It's very different compared to if we are driven to pray, if we pray in desperation, if we wrestle in prayer and just cry out for revival in ourselves so that we will go out and spread revival in the hearts of those who don't know Jesus. You know, I've said this before, right? The secret to prayer is just to pray. There's, there's, there's no secret. And you know, God doesn't need some fancy prayer where you say like, I beseech thee, O Lord of hosts, thy kingdom cometh. And you know, that. What? Who prays like that? Right? He just looks at your heart. He just looks at your heart. And when our hearts are gripped with love for God and with love and compassion for the lost, when our hearts are gripped, this desire to give God glory and to see people saved will give fervor and passion to our prayer. When there is strong desires in our soul, then there will naturally be strong prayers. And so in the same way, the neglect of prayer shows that there are dead spiritual desires in, inside of us. The strongest prayers are when we are most desperate. Have you, have you noticed that? 
that we pray the most passionately and fervently and intensely when we are the most desperate and often the prayer is like, God, help, help. The last time I really prayed like that was when I lost my MOE laptop. I left it in a cab. It's like it was never to be seen again. And I was like, God, I need a miracle. Would you send it back? I'm like, what? Laptop. Yeah, well, anyway, yeah, I lost it. Um, but you know, we pray, we pray the most intensely and fervently when we are the most desperate. And the harvest will be reaped by prayer. Harvest work has to be preceded by prayer. And you know, if in response to this message, there is no new movement and fire and passion within to pray, then I will know that, that we cannot expect the harvest yet. And so I want to encourage you to pray, to really, really pray, to pray for revival in Laogen, to pray for revival in our church, in PPH, to pray for revival in your school, your family, in Singapore, to pray for our coming camp in December. Pray that your friends can join us at camp. Pray for your unbelieving friends and family. I'm going to encourage you to really pray. And, and, and here are some ways you can pray. So I've set up this little website that some people don't understand. Um, it's called www.tinyurl.com slash prayforrevival, okay? And, and, and this is the challenge um, to pray 15 minutes, just 15 minutes in a day for loud gen. And my commitment is that I'm going to pray every day 15 minutes until camp, okay? So far, I have slept on one day. <laughs> um, I'm going to try my best to, to do it. And, you know, other people have been have been um, joining us, even people from afar, overseas, international prayer, right? Um, and I want to encourage you to join in, okay? It's, a, it's an open document, www.tinyurl.com slash pray for revival. If you have prayed for 15 minutes, add your name in there so I can be encouraged that, yes, there are people praying together, okay? Okay, especially, yes, question. You've just prayed for five minutes, then just keep praying for another ten minutes to reach fifteen minutes. <laughs> Alright. Okay. <laughs> okay, you know, it's it's not about the it's not about like accumulation of time or anything, okay? I mean look, this is not a like numbers game, okay? But but this is really just to encourage us. Let's let's pray together, alright? Um and, and and you would know that every two thirty on Saturdays we have prayer meeting. I want to encourage you to come down. We pray for our ministry. We pray for the service. And also every first and fifth Sunday of the month, if there is a fifth Sunday, at 9 o'clock, we meet in the youth room. If you don't know where the youth room is, it is on level one. And there's a sign that says youth room. Okay? Um, we, we call it revival and breakthrough prayer. And so the next one is on uh, 29th November, the fifth, November of the, uh, fifth Sunday of the month. Okay? And, and we just come together and we just pray for loud gen. Okay, harvest work has to be preceded by prayer. No prayer, no revival. And so let's be praying individually um, in our homes during our quiet time, as well as corporately as a ministry. Okay? We're all in this together. That's the only line I know. Okay, so I, I, I want to encourage you to, 
to, to really pray. And I want to encourage you also to, to ask God for names, ask God for specific people you can reach out to, um, people you can show God's love to, people you can invite to, to church or to camp or whatever. And, and you know, it's not, it's not about the events, right? You know, if they can't come for camp, then ask them to come for Christmas. Um, this Christmas, we're going to have main service. We're going to have an evangelistic service on the 20th of December. 25th of December, we'll be in Teban Gardens. 26th of December, we will have Loud Gen Christian Outreach. And, and you know, if your friends can't come for any, Christian, uh, any Christmas services, it's fine. Just keep praying for them. The goal is not for them to come to the event, right? The goal is for them to believe in Jesus, accept Jesus as their Savior, give their lives to Him for the glory of His name. You know, a preacher once said this, that the tragedy of our time is that the situation is desperate, but the saints are not. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. How desperate are we for God's glory? How desperate are we for, for revival? How desperate are we for our friends and our family to know Jesus? How desperate are we? I want to end with um, a short story from the Gospel of Mark. Oh, okay. It's from Mark chapter 2. Okay, um, you can turn to it or you can look to the screen. How many of you have heard the story before? Okay, Jesus heals a paralytic. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. You know, I think this is such a cool story. It is so cool, right? Can you imagine the friends? I bet they were young people. And, and, and they were like, oh man, so many people, we can't get in. And then somebody says what? Hey, bros, I got a great idea. Let's make a hole in the roof. And then when we lower him, he'll be like right in front of Jesus. And the friends are like, yeah, let's do it. YOLO swag, right? Um, and like, whose house is it? IDK, IDC. And like, just let's do it. And, and, and then they, they dug a hole in someone's roof. Right? And, and then they, they lower their friend on a mat. I mean, just think about the scene, right? It's, it's quite cartoon, right? I mean, okay, just, just imagine the scene, okay? It would be like this, right? They're like, whoa, 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 be careful, be careful, right? And uh, like, hey, careful, guys. And then, and then the people in the house, like, they look up, and there's literally this lame dude, like, literally lame, right? Um, and, and he's like, he's coming through the roof. I love it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> And the same story in Luke 5 tells us, that, tells us that they lowered him right in front of Jesus, like in his face, in your face, Jesus. And you know, I bet the lame friend, right, like while he was lying down there being lowered, I bet he was like, this is awesome, roller coaster ride to healing, right? I'm like, this, this is a great story, it's, it's a great story. And, but you know, the best part is this verse in verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. And I'm sure you know the end of the story, right? As with other encounters with Jesus, um, this man found both physical and spiritual healing. 
But you know what? The Bible says, when Jesus saw their faith, right? When Jesus saw the faith of his friends, it wasn't a lame guy's faith. It was his friends. The, the like, hey, bros, let's make a hold. Their faith. These friends were workers. They worked hard to get their friend, their lame friend, into the presence of Jesus. You know, some of you will know that uh, in secondary school, I was uh, chairman of the Red Cross Society. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, so I've carried a stretcher before, uh, and it's, it's tough. <laughs> it's hard work. It's heavy and tiring. Who knows how heavy this guy was, right? And, and you know, these, these four guys, they didn't just carry their friends, their friend, right, their lame friend, they, they reached the house and they saw the crowd. It was like bursting with people. And they didn't say like, oh man, no one to get in. I quit, you know. They, they came up with this brilliant idea. Maybe not so brilliant to the homeowner, but this brilliant idea, let's make a hole in the roof. And um, verse 4 says, they made an opening in the, hoop, in the roof and they dig through it, right? And I'm pretty sure that digging a hole in a roof is hard work, <laughs> I'm sure it's not like, mm, okay, that's a hole. Right? You, you have to, it's hard work. But they stopped at nothing. The friends stopped at nothing. They were, giving, they were willing to go all the way and do whatever it took to get their friend right into the presence of Jesus. And Jesus recognized their faith. He recognized their faith. And so my question is, are we willing to go to that kind of extent to bring our friends into the presence of of Jesus, Are we willing to do whatever it takes to bring our friends to Jesus, even if it means work? We will do it because we love them, we have compassion on them, we care for them, and we will do whatever it takes, even a stupid idea, to get them into the presence of Jesus. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so we need to pray earnestly that God will send workers into the harvest field. And you know, I believe that as we earnestly pray, as we earnestly pray, that we will also realize that we can be the answer to our prayers, that we can be the workers for the glory of God. And so we've got to see people with the eyes of Jesus. We've got to love them and ask for His compassion for the lost. We've got to see the harvest. We've got to pray and we've got to be workers. And you know, I understand very well that at any point of, our, uh, any point of time in, in our lives, um, we will have struggles, right? We will have um, difficulties, stress, busyness from whatever situation, school, family, etc. And, and yes, we come to church and, and we come to church to receive from God. We come to find hope and help and, and, and all that. But you know, we cannot spend week after week wallowing in, in our struggles and problems. It, you know, as Christians, our Christian faith cannot just be like, God, help me. God, help me. God, help me in this. God, heal me in this. God, bless me. Because yes, He can help you and heal you and, and bless you. But as we grow spiritually, as we learn more about Him, as we grow to love Him more, we have to start saying, God, how can I serve you more? God, how can I glorify you more with my life. God, how can I reach my friends and my family for you? God, who can I bless today because I've been so blessed by you? We have to start taking our eyes off ourselves and fixing our eyes on Him. And as we do that, then we will start to see people, we will start to see situations with His eyes, with His compassion, with His love, 
we will stop being concerned with me, myself, and I. So let's stop looking inward and let's start looking upward and outward. I'm going to get the worship team to come up. And what do you think we're going to spend the rest of the time doing? Oh, very good. We're, we're going to spend some time praying. Um, and, and, and I want us to, to really, really pray. You know, pray for ourselves. Pray for our unbelieving friends, families. Ask God for specific names. Pray for revival in Lao Jen. Pray that God will raise up a generation who will proclaim His goodness and His glory and spread His love to the people around us. Pray that God will raise up workers for the harvest field and prepare us for the harvest. Let's pray for camp. Let's pray for Christmas. Pray that our friends can come. Pray that people will encounter God. Let's be praying. So let's just stand up. I'm going to ask the worship team to, to sing a song. And as we sing, let's, uh, let's just spend the time first praying for ourselves. Let's pray for ourselves and, and ask, really ask God to give us the eyes of Jesus. You know, the eyes of love, eyes of com- compassion. That we will not look at people and be like, oh, what's wrong with that? But you know, we will look at them with, with love and compassion and really see them, not just like judge them by what's outside. So let's start by let's start by singing this song and just praying for ourselves. Just open up our eyes. Open up my eyes to the things I see. Show me how to love like you. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. As I walk from earth into eternity. Let's make this the prayer of our hearts. Heal my heart. Heal us from our apathy, from our indifference. Open up my eyes. Open up our eyes, God. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Give us tender hearts, God.
Father, I pray that you will really begin to break our hearts, God. God, would you come and give us the, the love and the compassion of Jesus? God, would you come and give us the eyes of Jesus, the heart of Jesus? God, we will look out to the harvest field and, and see and really see the people. That God, we will not be indifferent or apathetic about the people around us. God, you give us that, that heart. God, would you stir our hearts, stir our hearts for the people around us. God, take our eyes off ourselves. Help us to look to you and to the people who you have placed around us so that we can impact them and bless them and reach them. Come and heal our hearts, God. Come and work in our hearts. Holy Spirit, give us your love and your compassion and your care that we so lack on our own. God, give us your heart, God. I'm going to spend the, the rest of the time just praying for praying for your friends, your family. You know, I want to encourage you to ask God for specific names, people in your life whom you, you really want to pray for, you really want to, to bless. So let's pray for our friends and family. Let's pray for Lao Jen. Let's pray for our ministry. Let's pray that God will really raise up a generation who will live for His glory. Raise up workers for the harvest field. Let's pray specifically for our camp, for all the Christmas outreaches. God will bring in the harvest. Can I have my last slide? The seventh slide. So you can, um, why don't we, we pair up and just pray with someone. And just pray for, for all these things. Let's pair up and let's spend the time praying.
If you are done praying, um, can we rise? And we're going to end with um, a time of worship. We're going to end with a time of proclaiming that that God be exalted, be magnified, and be lifted high in this place because we exist for Him, we gather for Him, and everything that we do is for Him. It's not for us to like feel good about ourselves or, or whatever, but it's really for Him. And so, so let's uh, stand together as a ministry and, and exalt Him. Be lifted higher.
lift our hands to the Lord and say, God, be lifted higher. Jesus, would your name be lifted higher? Would your name be exalted and magnified in our lives, individually and corporately as a ministry in our church? Would you be lifted higher? Would you be exalted and take the highest praise and the highest honor? God, we praise you and we love you and everything we do is for you. So God, I pray that you will raise us up as workers to go and make disciples of our nation. That God, you will raise us up as workers into the harvest field, blessing people, spreading the love of Christ and working for the glory of your kingdom and your name. So help us, God, and raise us up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Alright, we're going to end with one last song and we'll see you next week for CG.
week.